Hello and welcome to the Steve Poos Benson Podcast. It's great to come to you here this afternoon. I am down here in my basement studio with my microphone, my laptop, and my notes spread out before me to bring you my own underground radio. Underground, I'm in my basement, so I just love being my own little DJ. You know, the purpose of this podcast is to awaken you to new ideas about your spirituality and faith. I'm going to use a lot of my own thoughts and ramblings from my own life and faith experience to hopefully spark something in your soul so you'll be motivated to see your relationship with God from a whole new perspective. That's my purpose. I want to motivate you in your faith. Okay, today I want to talk about the spiritual plateau. This is a different direction from the past month where I was talking about ambition and authenticity. While I believe in forward progress and spiritual and intellectual growth, I also know there are times when things just stop. There isn't any growth. Faith becomes stale and it feels like you're in some kind of spiritual wasteland. I call it the spiritual plateau. I've come to believe it's one of the most profound parts of the spiritual journey. And instead of trying to avoid it, it's something we need to embrace as necessary for our faith to grow. So pop in your earbuds, go for a drive, a walk, a run, clean the house or sit in the backyard. And let's talk about the plateau. First, what is this spiritual plateau? Well, it's much like a high desert plateau. There isn't any deviation in height as far as the eye can see. It's dry, thirsty dry, dusty. There isn't a plant or shrub in sight. Things just feel a little dead. Now take that image and apply it to your spirituality. It's the same thing. There's no great heights of inspiration. There's no vision of newness. There's no lush heaven. There is no Christ to guide you. Things just feel empty dead, dry, vast, vacant, a plateau. Now you might feel this way in general, not just in your spirituality, but in your life. And if so, I want you to think about finding a good therapist. But while I'm talking about the spiritual plateau, this will also apply to you as well. And in this podcast, I want you to think about motivating yourself to get the help that you need to take care of yourself. But primarily, I want to talk about your relationship with God. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've crossed the spiritual plateau uh, many different times in my own faith journey. There have been times when prayer felt like talking to a wall, the Bible was just a flat book, and worship was an empty hour. Uh, thank goodness you were paying me to come to church or I might not have, and it was because I had to go to church that I was able to work my way through my spiritual plateaus. Now, I've come to really understand the plateau when I was studying martial arts. I had the goal of becoming a black belt by the time I was 50. I started when I was 44. I came late to martial arts. I remember working out with all these kids who were simply kicking my butt. It was fun, funny, and humbling as well. The journey to black belt is a long one, full of thousands of kicks, holds, falls, and forms. There's also a great deal of spirituality that I discovered in martial arts, as it truly is an art-spiritual form. You know, I was progressing uh, well through the different belts and stages for about four years. Then suddenly, 
It stopped. All growth stopped. All forward progress stopped. I was working with the same level intensity, but I wasn't getting anywhere. I kicked and punched, but I was just not going anywhere. There was no forward progress. After several months of this, I was feeling very discouraged and thought about abandoning the journey altogether. When I talked with my teacher, Master John Rankin, he explained that I was going through a necessary part of my training, and that was the plateau. The journey towards Black Belt was going to be filled with many plateaus, and I'd have to work my way through them to achieve the final goal. Now, if you know something about me, once I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I don't quit until the goal is accomplished. I've had to work through many plateaus in my life, not only in spirituality and martial arts, but in physical fitness and intellectual growth and all different kinds of places I've found different plateaus. But when I committed to it, I was going to do it. If I was committed to the black belt, then I was going to finish it. So I dove back into the training and kept working. What I found is that uh, working through the martial arts physical plateau is similar to the spiritual plateau. So I want to offer you the things I've learned about the plateau. The intellectual plateau, the spiritual plateau, the physical fitness plateau. There's so many different connections between these different aspects of the plateau. And kind of they all weave together. And I've written about this, and I've talked with people about this, and so I've boiled it down to what I believe are the 10 things you need to do to work your way through a spiritual plateau. And I want to offer each one of these as steps for you to take. You might want to pull off to the side of the road so you can take some notes. You might want to grab a notebook and a pen to, uh, to get these notes down. You might want to hit pause on your on your little iPhone or iPod to, uh, to catch these things. But let's dive in. Ten things. Ten things. Step one. The spiritual plateau is a gift. It might not seem like it, but it's a necessary part of spiritual development. We all want to dodge the plateau. We hate the plateau, but you can't avoid it. If you want to grow, you'll face the plateau. You need to embrace it as a gift, a huge gift from God, so embrace it. It's just like any other things that you've had to endure in life that were going to lead to great things. The plateau is a part of that, and you have to embrace it as a gift. So the plateau is a gift. That's one. Number two, there are many people who have crossed this plateau before you. If they did it, you can do it. This is doable. You can and will move out of this spiritual dry place. You're going to need to dig down, find some endurance and resilience, but you can and will do this. Anything of value requires a tremendous amount of work and effort. You will get through this. Other people have gotten through this. You will get through this as well. You have to dig in and go deep. Three, you have to be committed to this journey. Yes, you're in a desert. Yes, it's a wasteland. Yes, it sucks. But don't stop and don't give up. This is a theme that I find throughout spirituality. It's the need to press on. In spite of the obstacles and challenges, you can't give up 
or quit in this process. You have to be committed. So the plateau is a gift. If people have crossed the plateau before you, you can do it as well. Be committed to this journey. Those are kind of the basic mind steps, uh, mindsets that I use to approach the plateau. Those three basic ones. It's a gift. People, other people have crossed this. Be committed to the journey. Those are the first three. Number four. The first thing you need to do is to use the plateau to take stock of where you come, where you have come so far in your life. In martial arts on the plateau, I went back over the entire journey. I relearned every move, every step, every form. I relearned how to kick, how to punch, how to take a punch, how to fall. I learned that falling and learning how to fall is one of the key aspects of martial arts. And maybe in some ways that's a key aspect of uh, the spiritual plateau is learning how to fall. And it's okay to fall. It's okay to fall and hit the dust. It's okay to get back up. But you have to, I had to go back and relearn every single step along the way. In your spirituality on the plateau, it's no different. You need to go back and reflect on your entire journey. Go all the way back to childhood. When did you come to know God? Was it Sunday school? What did you feel about God and Jesus in high school? What about college? What about as a young adult? When did the Bible become something significant to you, maybe even sacred to you? And if you're not a Christian, think about different aspects of your faith. Maybe it was a different uh, god or goddess that you followed. Maybe it was somebody in, in a different faith, a different uh, spiritual hero. But think about your relationship with them. And when do they become significant to you? What are the different stages of your faith that you have gone through? When did you feel close to God? What were you doing when you felt close to God? What, when did you feel distant to God? What does prayer mean to you? You know, you've got to use this time to go back and reflect on your entire journey. Sit on a lawn chair, think and reflect in your backyard. For me, I journal almost everything I do. Get a leather journal. You can pick up a great leather journal at Barnes & Noble and most bookstores. But I've been keeping a spiritual life journal since I was 18. I have bookshelves full of my journals. What I use with the journal is to go back and reflect over all of my spiritual journey. So the fourth thing you need to do is on the plateau is take stock of where you have come so far. Go back as long as you can remember, as far back as you can remember, and trace your steps. Five, you need to find a mentor. This is one of the key steps on the plateau. Luke Skywalker had his Obi-Wan and Yoda. You need to find a mentor. However, there's a trick to this. There's a great saying. When the student is ready, a mentor appears. Sometimes a mentor will just suddenly appear in your life. You might look at someone you know from a whole new perspective. You might meet a stranger who is suddenly in your life by some kind of happenstance and you realize that she or he is there for a certain reason maybe to be a guide 
Sometimes you find it through reading a book or a magazine article. And uh, you find the author of the book and you search them down and you read everything else that they have written. In some way, shape, or form, they become a mentor or a guide. But I want you to go beyond just an author to be your guide. I want a living, breathing person to be your guide. I want someone for you who has crossed the desert, the plateau themselves. I want someone who has been back and forth across the plateau that they know every single trail. They know where all the rocks are. They know where the oases are. They know the ups and the downs. They know how to guide themselves by the stars, by the sun, by the darkness, by the light. They actually are very familiar with the darkness and they're not afraid of the darkness. In fact, the darkness for them is a friend. They're not afraid of the darkness in any way, shape, or form. Because you're going to be walking through a lot of the darkness in the plateau. Some of your your best hiking, your best travel will be at night through the darkness. The day can be just too hot. And so you'll want to go through the night. The night is where the lights are. It's a beautiful time to travel. So you need a mentor who is going to go with you. Now, the other key thing about a mentor is that they're very humble people. Uh, They're not going to want you to do it exactly how they did it. They are going to not give you the answers. In fact, if a mentor ever starts giving you the answers, it's time to end that relationship. A mentor, a good mentor, will not give you the answers because really... They, uh, those answers are their answers, and their answers might work for them, but they don't work for you. Instead, what a, a good mentor is going to do is going to help you formulate the right questions to ask. That's the key. Help you formulate the right questions and support you as you search to find your own answers. That's the key. You've got to find your own answers. You can find your you have to find your own way across the plateau. A good mentor will walk with you, beside you. They might even be carrying you for a little bit of the while, but ultimately it's about you finding your own way across the plateau. And the the mentor is kind of like a Sherpa. They're going to carry your baggage. Sometimes they're a guide, sometimes they're a guide. They're gonna point out different obstacles along the way, things to avoid. They might show you where the trail goes. They're going to be a good guide, but oftentimes they're also just a good Sherpa, someone who will uh, slop your stuff along and be with you and carry you during part of the journey. But you have to find a mentor. So then once you get going on this journey and you it's a gift and you're committed to the journey and you've used the time to take stock and you have a good mentor, The next thing that I really encourage you to do is to branch out. Find the different paths that are out there on the plateau. And for me, this means studying world religions. Uh, The best thing to do on the plateau is to sit and explore other faiths. This has been huge for me during my own spiritual plateaus. In fact, I started discovering world religions on one of my uh, huge plateaus about 20 years ago when Christianity just became dry. It didn't feel enough to me. I, I wanted more out of, out of my spiritual, spirituality than just the Christian faith. So I had to dig deep. And uh, one of my mentors said, 
start exploring other world religions. And I felt like, gosh, can I really do that? I mean, I'm a Christian minister after all. I've been to seminary. I'm teaching other people about Jesus and God and Christianity. Is it really okay for me to study the world religions? Yes. It is hugely important for you to study the world religions while you're on the spiritual plateau because the world religions are other paths that have been blazed across the plateau, which millions and millions of people have blazed in front of you. And you might need this other path of another world religion to help you get across the plateau. So I want you to not be afraid of the other world religions, but I want you to dive in. I want you to study them. You hear there's so many great books. Here's a couple of book, good books that I highly recommend to get you going. The first book, if I could put a book in your hand about world religions, it would be Houston Smith's The World Religions. The World's Religions by Houston Smith. That is a great book, kind of a primer. You know what uh, Smith did is he spent 10 years studying each of the world religions. He literally became a Buddhist, studied Buddhism for 10 years and then wrote about it. Became a Hindu for 10 years, uh, faithful became a Hindu, studied it, and then wrote about it. He did this. His uh, basic first, first faith was Christianity, but he did this with all the major world religions. That's a great book. It's a primer book. Uh, if you want an easier book, there's The Idiot's Guide to World Religions. It's kind of dry, but it kind of gives you the basic overview of it. You know, But I want you to go to a metaphysical bookstore. Uh, there are many, not a many, there's a handful of them here in... Um, in Denver, maybe in the city where you live, there are several. My favorite is uh, Isis, the Isis Goddess Bookstore. Man, it's a funky place to go, but they have almost everything. They have a huge wall of tarot cards that blew my mind the first time. Yeah, you know what? You can get a, a package of tarot cards. It's okay. It's okay to explore. It's okay to get in. Go to a metaphysical bookstore. And look at all the different world religions that they have. They will have some of the most funky, wonky world religions there. And I want you to spend several hundred bucks. Just go in there and buy books and start reading them. You know, the big thing for me is when I really felt like I was breaking all the rules when I started studying Wicca. You know, Wicca, witches, oh my gosh. You would think that Christianity and Wicca would have be miles and miles apart. When I started studying Wicca, my whole faith blew wide open when I realized that it's not about witches and witches brew and witches like you would see on a Disney character, but it's about indigenous earth religions, about being connected to the earth. And be connected to the seasons and the and the uh, movements of the moon. And the same with the, the Druid and all the Druid religions. Oh my gosh, the same thing. Celtic spirituality is big into Wicca and um, and Druidism. Also pagan uh, religions. Um, sometimes I, I discovered this term that I loved. My love is called the Christio-Pagan. I love that kind of a a combination of paganism and Christianity. And in some ways, I really embrace that I'm a Christio-pagan because paganism, again, is this great connection to the earth 
and to the world and to the movement of the seasons to nature and to animals and animal spirituality that's another huge part for me is animal spirituality and connecting and learning about all the different uh, animals of the world and how they represent different spiritual aspects of spirituality spiritual aspects of spirituality I about that is kind of funny but animal spirituality you got to branch out you've got to look and expand your spirituality again some people say you can't do this and I say that's BS it's people who say this so who are have never been on a spiritual plateau or they're afraid of the spiritual plateau and I got to tell you if someone says you can't do this tell them that I said that's BS and that you need to have the permission to explore as a spiritual guide and a mentor for many other people I tell people to find other world religions take this to heart and explore other world religions okay so that's six seven is similar to it um, visit and attend another religious spiritual services uh, my soul was blown open when I went to a mosque and worshipped with a, a whole congregation of Muslims. Man, it was huge. Uh, getting down and kneeling with them and uh, putting my forehead to the floor. I didn't understand a single thing of what they were saying. But I was with them side by side. I was actually saying to myself the Lord's Prayer as they were um, silently reciting the Muslim prayers. And, and I realized that we were worshiping the same God. You know, they call their God Allah, and Allah is just a different name for Yahweh. We're in the uh, Jewish, Christian, Muslim uh, faith uh, that, you know, we all worship the same God. We approach it differently, but we worship the same God. And when you attend a different religious worship services, you get to see how people do it, how they worship God. So, you know, the thing I would encourage you to do is call them, call the mosque, call the synagogue, call the temple, go to a Buddhist temple. They're all throughout um, every city. I don't know what city you're listening to this in, but in the metropolitan Denver area, there's just start Googling worship centers. I even have a, a Buddhist temple uh, right up here by my house. Um, but you can... Uh, attend a temple a synagogue a wiccan coven that's a fascinating experience call us uh, and see if you can't uh, visit a wicca meeting to see if they'll let you be a guest for a time uh, but uh, go be polite when you go and visit be polite be humble ask the right kind of questions uh, don't interfere with their worship services in any way shape or form but go and soak up how another faith worships so that's seven eight take a spiritual pilgrimage this is a great thing to do on a plateau in many ways what you're doing is already a pilgrimage but i want you to be inten intentional first by the book the art of pilgrimage the seeker's guide to making travel sacred by phil cosino Everybody I've ever mentor, mentored, I've made them buy this book and read it. Cosano talks about uh, travel, anywhere from traveling to your backyard to traveling 
uh, to work, to going on a vacation is a spiritual pilgrimage. And he helps you wake up to the sacred nature uh, of travel. And I just, I've just embraced that book. And every time before I go on a big uh, vacation or a big journey, I always read uh, The Art of Pilgrimage to remind me of how sacred travel can be. Okay, but what I want you to do is I want you to um, to be intentional. I want you to really go out of your way to go on a pilgrimage. There are so many different places for you to go. Here in Colorado, you can spend years visiting all the different sacred spaces. I try to go to a couple of them every year. Personally, the thing, place I would want you to start is the town of Crestone, Colorado. Crestone is off of uh, 285. It's north of Alamosa. It's on the way to the Great Sand Dunes. It's about a three, three and a half, maybe four hour drive from Denver. But it is well worth the time. In this small little town, there's literally every religion represented. There's a Hindu retreat center, a Buddhist retreat center, a Christian retreat center, a Catholic retreat center, I mean, it just just goes on and on. They have a beautiful, beautiful uh, Buddha stupa uh, in Crestone. I had an amazing vision when I was at the the stupa, the Buddha stupa there in Crestone. So you can go, you can stay in one of those retreat centers. You can stay outside. You can stay in Salida. You can stay in uh, probably in Alamosa. You can also stay in these retreat centers right there in Crestone to kind of soak up the entire experience. But, you know, I want you to go to another great place is the Shoshone Yoga Retreat Center. It's up outside of Boulder. I can't remember the little town that it's near, um, but the Shoshone Yoga Retreat Center, it's a Hindu retreat center. But it's a deeply spiritual place. Man, you drive in that place and your soul just kind of goes, woo, as you uh, go in, take some yoga. Spend You can spend uh, spend a couple nights there and do yoga all day long. You can um, go there for the day and just have a meal there. They have amazing vegetarian food. I mean, it is a profound little retreat center. You can uh, do a, go in a different direction. Take a trip to a national park. Uh, make visiting a national park a pilgrimage. And since you're going to Crestone, head over to the Great Sand Dunes. Talk about a spiritual place. Hiking up a spiritual sand, a spiritual sand dune. Well, it's kind of that way, hiking up a Great Sand Dune. Man, is that a spiritual place. You know, another, another place I like to go to is Yellowstone. Phoebe and I find Yellowstone a deeply spiritual place. I know everybody's got to go see the geysers and all that kind of stuff on the south end of the park. But on the north end of the park, the the least populated uh, parts of the park, man, where there's wildlife everywhere, talk about spiritual pilgrimage. Um, My uh, soul is also moved by Zion National Park. Grand Canyon is a wonderful spiritual place, but boy, there's the crowds. You've got to get over the people. But if you can get up early for a sunrise or watch the sunset over the big ditch, the Grand Canyon, man, it is amazing. But I want you to pack some bags, and I want you to go on a road trip. You can either go by yourself or go with a close friend. You know, there's also some big pilgrimages. There's the Pilgrimage of St. James. It's over in uh, Spain. 
Now, that's a 500-mile journey, and boy, you are dedicated and committed if you're going to go on this, the pilgrimage of uh, St. James. Uh, Jane Ritterson, our own Jane Ritterson, has hiked a part of the uh, of the pilgrimage of St. James. Linda Tafoya, another member of Columbine United Church, has hiked the entire pilgrimage. So I want you to take a road trip. Either go by yourself. Um, if you're going to go here locally, I would really encourage you to pack your bags and go by yourself. Take your journal with you. Go with a close friend. Uh, don't go with a group of people. Uh, go with just one maybe two of you, so you can kind of soak up the experience by yourself and try to understand what this experience means for you. But take a spiritual pilgrimage. That's number eight. Number nine, take up a spiritual practice. Meditation, prayer, yoga. Do it daily. Read books about how to meditate, pray, and do yoga. I mean, you'd have to like stumble over yourself not to miss to miss a yoga center. Just show up, pay your 15 bucks, grab a mat, learn how to get twisted up. Yoga's fantastic. Meditation, there are so many podcasts and books. If you don't know how to meditate, I mean, you're blind not to find ways to figure out how to meditate. Prayer, simple. Close your eyes, fold your hands, get quiet, pray to God. Get out your journal, pray to God. I mean, it doesn't get it. Prayer has got to be one of the simplest things in the world to do. You can do it. Prayer. You can also get uh, physical as a spiritual practice. Uh, you know, for me, I'm a runner. I've ran, run my whole adult life. Um, as skinny as I am, I also like to lift weights. I like to ride my bike. You know, an interesting one that I've come, I've come late to is that I found that rock climbing is a huge spiritual journey. Um, I've only climbed inside a different climbing gym with my kids. I know that the um, pandemic has shut down all these climbing gyms. So this is kind of a hard one for you. But for me, learning how to rock climb and working through the whole art of, of climbing up and working through the different climbing problems, getting your body and your brain to work together. For me, it was getting over my fear of heights. Man, I really had to get over my fear of heights and being up high and uh, rappelling down. Um, but uh, get physical. Do something physical. Walk. Get out and walk. Do walking prayer, walking meditation. But get out. Do something. Also, there are really no rules to this that you have to follow. I know there's a lot of people who will tell you, you've got to meditate a certain way, you've got to pray a certain way, you have to do this a certain way or that a certain way. You know, Don't get too locked up into the rules. The more rules that you've got to follow, sometimes the less apt you are to actually do something. But find a spiritual practice and do it. That's nine. And then here's 10. Here's the step. We've gone through our own little journey ourselves. Celebrate the little steps. Spiritual insight doesn't come like a tsunami, but it comes in little steps. Sometimes there's a tsunami. Sometimes, like you turn the corner all of a sudden, wham, there's something huge that comes blowing into your life. And that has happened for me. It's happened a couple times when I've had visions. It's just like, whoa, it washes over you. But 
I found that mostly it comes in small steps. That's why like I keep a journal. I constantly read back through the journals. I kind of go, oh, right, 10 years ago, that's what I was thinking. And look what I, where I am now. It's like step by little step by little step. You know, spiritual growth for me is like a sunrise. There's movement. There's gentle movement. It goes from darkness to light. And then sometimes to blazing light, but uh, but it's like slow, it's gentle. It's like, for me, it's like watching a full moon rise. I mean, haven't you ever just sat and gone from night to watching that big moon come over the horizon? Well, that's what spiritual growth is. It's small. It's gentle. It takes little baby steps. Little baby steps, incremental steps. But you know what? In those incremental steps, you will cross the plateau. It'll be slow, but you will get there. So let me go over these. The plateau is a gift. Two, many people have crossed the plateau before. If they did it, you can do it. Be committed to this journey. Four, use the time to take stock of where you have come so far. Five, find a mentor. Six, study the world religions. Seven, visit and attend another religion's spiritual services. Eight, get off your butt and take a spiritual pilgrimage. Nine, take up a spiritual practice. Ten, celebrate the little steps. And finally, Finally, you'll come to a new stage of your spiritual journey. Eventually, you come to a place in your life where you realize you're viewing God from, and your faith from a whole new perspective. You'll feel a sense of grounding, a sense of wholeness. You'll feel connected to people in a whole new way, soul-to-soul connection. God might look very different than when you started your journey across the plateau, but that's okay. That's good. It's really important to know that other people might really disagree with what you're doing on the plateau, and they're going to want you to come back. Come back. Don't go across the plateau. And you've got to hear me say, no, go forward. Go across the plateau, because when you get on the other side, you know what happens? Sometimes you run into some really lush, green gardens that you haven't found unless you go across the plateau. Spiritual growth is discovered when you cross the plateau. Well, that's it. Thank you for joining me today on the Steve Poos Benson Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. You know, I have a whole list of things to talk about in the future, but if you'd like for me to explore a topic, please uh, shoot me an email, a text, post it on Facebook. Let me know. I'd love to hear what you would want me to talk about. I'm also looking for interesting people to, uh, to interview. If you know someone I should interview, let me know who they are. So I want you to join me on other platforms. This podcast is good, but there's other ways that we can connect and share ideas. You can read my blog, Cowboy Jesus. You can find that on uh, Blogspot, stevecowboyjesus.blogspot.com. I also post it on Facebook. 
I'm on Instagram and Twitter. We I try to tweet and post uh, things on Instagram. I love seeing people's tweet, tweets on Twitter and seeing people's pictures on Instagram. I love that. There's also my Wednesday shout-out, and I'm also starting a new video project I'm calling Sent to Soar, Finding Your Life Purpose. You can uh, find those as well on my YouTube channel. Finally, visit my website, www.stephenpoosbenson.com with a hyphen in there. So a lot of different ways to go. And I hope now that the peace and grace of the Creator Almighty will be with you. Travel the plateau. Take care. We'll see ya. Bye.